Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Fanboy Theology. I'm Chris. I'm Brett. And uh, we're here to talk about faith and pop culture, which today that happens to take us into the realm of film, because we're going to talk about Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters happens to be my favorite movie, and I have watched it probably in the tens of thousands of times. I mean, back when I was a kid, I my parents tell the story of me just hitting rewind on the v- VHS player and watching it four or five times a day. So that's why my count is so high. But now we're not talking about the new movie. We're talking about the 1984 hit that just took the world by storm. And honestly, I don't think you'll be able to find anybody on earth that does not recognize the Ghostbusters logo. I think I even remember seeing a study that they put like the Mickey Mouse silhouette, the Ghostbusters symbol, and like another, like the McDonald's arches, and more people were able to identify the Ghostbusters uh, logo than those things, <laughs> which, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they they hit something. The filmmakers, and I mean, if you watch interviews with them, you'll see that they realize they hit a nerve day one. So we're going to talk about what it is that makes Ghostbusters great. And, and I believe what makes Ghostbusters great is that we have four very distinct characters looking at the supernatural and every single one of them is coming at it from a very different point of view and we are able to then relate with them well and you brought up even a fifth perspective the other day oh yes yes uh, walter peck so it's the four ghostbusters and then the epa agent walter peck who uh there's some very famous lines that we're not going to repeat on here but he get that actor william atherton did such a good job that he, to this day, if a busload of people are driving by, he'll get that famous <laughs> line shouted at him. And it's whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I yeah. don't know. Probably a bad thing if you're with your children. But Yeah. So, I mean, the first character, obviously, Peter Venkman. He's one of the most interesting characters in the movie. I mean, obviously, protagonist. Um, everything's really following him. But he has the faith perspective of just being a charlatan. He's a profiteer. He's in it for the money. Even with his uh, psychology before they're kicked out of the university, it's all just a giant fraud to him, and it's a way for him to get girls. Yeah, it's a tool for him. Whether in the first scene he's using it to get the girl by saying, oh yeah, not only do I believe this, I think you're a psychic. But then we see the very first scene with Dana Barrett, and they're interviewing her, and he almost outwardly rejects all this supernatural stuff because Dana rejects that stuff. So he he's fluid. He, he'll he believe in the supernatural when it gets him something. Right. And that's what makes him a charlatan. Now, my favorite character, Egon Spengler, um, he looks at the supernatural as if it's just another science. He's got a meter that actually detects it and is able to quantify the data enough that he's able to catch a ghost and hold it indefinitely. Egon doesn't look at the supernatural in the dichotomy of what we have in this world of faith over here, science over here. He looks at it as one and the same. They're brothers Mm -hmm. to be accepted as uh, we see this with Dana Barrett walks in and uh, says there's a ghost in my refrigerator. He doesn't question Dana Barrett's ghost, whether or not there is a ghost in her refrigerator. He goes, ah, well, it could be a ghost, but it could also be this cornucopia of other supernatural things, clairvoyance, telepathic contact, all that. He goes through the gamut of it, treats it with the scientific method, which is awesome. And he wants to be able to measure it. 
Yes. And, and see a result with what he's doing. Yeah, and that's what cra is crazy to me about this world we're looking at is we're only one step away from that world, and that's not a proton pack, it's not the trap, it's not even the containment unit, it's the PKE meter. If we had that, we would be able to go, hey, look, here is something supernatural, I see it on the meter. But, again, that's we live in a, a world where faith is our guide, not exactly right. a meter. Well, I mean, to me, Egon reminds me of the Bereans and the way oh, yeah. that... Paul like he Paul commends them for testing what they hear and not just taking it at face value and really looking into hey what is this is this legit or not well hey that think about this application point for a second they are going hey we see these this supernatural stuff happening let's check our PKA meter the Bible and I mean that is a lame thing <laughs> I know but that's just that popped in my head of yeah, we have a PKE meter for a supernatural. If something supernatural happens to us, we can tell if it's God or not by looking at the Bible, and that's what the Bereans did. Exactly. Um, I think one of my favorite characters in the movie is Ray, just because he is completely sold out in his belief. I mean, and it's it's a very genuine thing for him. He's the kid, the big oh, kid, yeah. the fire pole the oh my gosh you saw a ghost the lady's laying on it out and she's terrified but oh my gosh you saw it right he gets so excited because it's such a part of him and that goes beyond just the character i mean dan Aykroyd is completely sold out on the supernatural yeah and he's allowed to be because he wrote this movie and is a millionaire because of it <laughs> no, right uh, <laughs> and to piggyback off of that ray like, Dan Aykroyd doesn't really need to play much, because if you watch interviews, that is Dan Aykroyd. He grew up in a family of exorcists. Uh, he they, he talks about how they would perform seances. Don't recommend doing that. If you have a proton pack, great, go for it. You'd be th I think you'd be doing something else other than seances if you had a proton pack. But he he looks at the supernatural with a childlike wonder, but is also grounded with Egon in the sense of, he looks at, and that's his thesis, I believe, for the entire movie, is that the supernatural and science, they're one and the same, and we need to start accepting them both as a truth. Yeah, well, as the balance that both of those characters bring, either one, you go to an extreme, but when the two of them are together and keeping each other in check, then you get to really experience the way that it should be. Yes. And then now uh, the fourth Ghostbuster who co shows up is Winston. And truly, I believe this is the best perspective we get for us as the audience watching the movie. Because Winston's literally one of us. He's the embodiment of the everyman character. And that is how we as the audience are able to relate to what's going on with these three bumbling scientists with nuclear accelerators that are going after ghosts. Now with that... Winston is also the only one in the lot of them to acknowledge that Jesus exists. And then think about that perspective for a second. In this world where ghosts are running around, not exactly a biblical idea, if we go look at the Bible, yeah, a ghost does show up, but there's also plenty of arguments that ghosts don't exist in the Bible. But Winston is seeing this stuff happen around him and then even asks Ray, hey, Ray, do you believe in God? Ray, never met him. Winston replies back with, yeah, I do, and I love Jesus' style. So in this universe, not only does Jesus exist, but in this terrifying universe where ghosts are around every corner, 
Jesus exists and Winston happens to worship him. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with Winston, too, is compared to like Egon and Ray, who are on both ends of the spectrum, Winston is really concerned more with the day-to-day. What does this this mean? For me. Yeah. Yeah. Those four perspectives are awesome, but we have to look at who the protagonist is, and that's Venkman. Venkman's journey, he starts off a charlatan. He uses the supernatural for getting girls, specifically co-eds at his college, or in the case of even starting Ghostbusters, he's doing it to get money. So he doesn't... He isn't doing it for science. He isn't doing it to be a true believer. He's just simply trying to get what he wants, money or girls. And then in the second act, he realizes he's met his match in Dana Barrett. Dana sees right through it, and we see Dana become his agent of change throughout this whole thing, where he's even presented with a point where Dana's possessed by Zool, and she's throwing herself at him, exactly what Venkman wants. And what does he do? He does not do anything, and he has some pretty funny lines there. Uh, But what we're seeing is Dana, a pretty well-written agent of change, is moving Venkman from a charlatan who uses the supernatural to somebody who's going to self-sacrifice themselves, not only for Dana, but for the rest of the world, because he suits up and he charges into an apocalyptic event where Gozer is trying to take over the world. And in the end, that's a great protagonist storyline. Well, and let's not forget to bring up our fifth perspective. Walter uh, Walter Peck. Peck. So uh, Walter Peck, he's the EPA agent who's trying to stop uh, Ghostbusters from doing their thing. And what I noticed, and I I actually, while I was writing part of the blog that we're going to post later, that's what popped in my head of, like the state of Marshmallow Man. Uh, It just popped in there of Walter Peck is a fifth perspective. He looks at the supernatural and goes, there's no way that this exists. There's a physical explanation for this. They're duping their customers. Mm-hmm. They're they're using sense and nerve gases to induce hallucinations. Well, it's almost like the atheist perspective. Yeah. Of there's got to be some physical reason that this is being caused, and either everybody's lying or they did something that they're not telling us. But you know what? He does have it right. In one instance, Venkman's a charlatan, and Peck sees right through right. that. So yeah, he's assuming the rest of the the organization is exactly like Venkman, but it's not. He didn't take the time to go and investigate, and he is sticking his foot in his mouth later when he gets a bunch of marshmallow dropped on him because there's a 50-foot marshmallow man walking down the street. Supernatural exists, Mr. Peck. There it is right Right. there. Think about that for a second in that before the Sedgwick Hotel bust, People don't talk about ghosts there. It's even embarrassing for that hotel to call Ghostbusters and say, hey, I have a problem. Can you come help me? And Right. They want it completely hushed and, up and, and complete, no advertisement whatsoever. Completely discreet. And then the Ecto-1 tears out of the firehouse, pulls up, and then the news shows up. So now we go from in one scene where nobody wants to talk about the supernatural to ghost fever grips New York. And I say that's the fault of Walter Peck. And the people, uh, the types of Walter Pecks who go, it's got to be a physical, uh, it's got to be a physical explanation. Supernatural doesn't exist. There's nothing to see here. So we, who maybe we have experience in the supernatural, we're going, oh, okay, I don't want to incur the wrath of a Walter Peck. I'm just going to write this off as a physical thing because that's what everybody else is doing. When in reality, no, everybody has some sort of experience in this area. The news reporter even says that at one point. My, heck, my grandma used to spin yarns about a spectral locomotive that would rocket past her farm when she grew up. 
this is not right. something you and me are sitting in this room going, oh, here's a theory. It's they're talking about that in the movie. Well, and really, like, to put it in perspective of our lives here, that's how people take faith. And nobody wants to talk about it until some massive event happens and then everybody does. I mean, look at even with, like, when 9-11 happened. Immediately after, there were tons of people that were out on the streets praying with each other, and it didn't matter. They set aside the, I guess, acts that they had put up before of not wanting to talk about what they believed, and suddenly that was all they were talking about. Now, an application point that we see with Ghostbusters, if you are like one of the Ghostbusters, watch them and watch how they react to the supernatural because they're going to give you your strengths and weaknesses in your view of the supernatural. And I mean, Winston needs work, Egon needs work, Ray does, Peter does, we do when dealing with the supernatural. Think about that. If you were met with a supernatural event, where would you be on that spectrum? And then look at those strengths, weaknesses, and start walking forward in that because your faith journey could be stunted because you're not walking forward in your belief of God, faith, supernatural. Yeah, or, or just you're unwilling to take a move, but these guys could, from their perspective, kind of give you a jump start along the way. And it doesn't take 10,000 views of Ghostbusters to get that from the, from the movie. Uh, this is a movie for everyone. I can't wait to show my son when he actually gets, or he's not a blob, and I <laughs> can't can figure out what's going on on screen. He's he's watched snippets of it, which I was even surprised. Some of the scarier parts he was in the room for, and he still just watched it. And it was, okay, well, I was going to pull you out the second you started crying, but he didn't. And it's just because this movie, it, I believe, is so ingrained in our culture and we believe, or the belief of the supernatural is so ingrained in us no. that it's not a unnatural thing to see it on a screen and be scared of it we're curious more than anything yeah and I think that's one thing that the movie really does well is bring up the topic of supernatural and faith and it's not one of those supernatural ones where it's a horror movie Yeah, it's, it's really exploring it for what it is Yeah, comedy releases that tension of the horror that's happening so uh, I hope to see you guys out there supporting the cause in watching Ghostbusters the 2016 version coming out in July uh, hopefully you can bring your kids because I'm sure they're going to enjoy it as well or uh, also I just read that starting June 8th through the 12th they're going to be showing the 1984 version of Ghostbusters so if you can check that out please do it's so weird. I've seen it, again, 10,000 times, but in the movie theater with other people dressed up in full uniform, we're laughing like it's the first time we're hearing these jokes. It's, it's just a different experience watching this movie in theaters with other people who happen to love it. So uh, I hope you guys uh, can check out our blog. We're going to talk a little bit more about Ghostbusters and uh, just what's happening in it, the perspectives of Venkman, Stance, Spengler, and Zed Moore, and as well as Walter Peck. And so next time, uh, we hope to see you back here at Fanboy Theology. I'm Chris. I'm Brett. And see you next time. Put a promise.